Hey, I'm JR from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast, exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world, and beer. Lots of beer. 18 Over Par is proudly presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Pulling up to the clubhouse in a ride that looks half as good as your golf attire just isn't cutting it. It's time to improve your ride and your drive. You can purchase a new or used vehicle from Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park and the former Manitoba Amateur Champ will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. So now pulling up to the clubhouse won't be so damn embarrassing and neither will your golf game. You can book your test drive today at winnipegdodge.com. Just ask for Jamie Wilkie. You can also check him out on episode two of the 18 Over Par podcast. He'll certainly be happy to see you. You can also find them on social media, so make sure you improve your ride and your drive, and the only place to do that, the new Winnipeg Dodge. They're different. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. Suck, Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. I'm JR, he's Mike, and today we welcome Brooks Kepka lookalike, Brett Monsion, scratch golfer and former pro hockey referee. He's played in the Manitoba Amateur as well as numerous club championships at Glendale and in and around his new hometown of Ottawa. We also have a special guest appearance from Dale Hall. Super excited to uh, bring in Mr. Brett Monsion to the show and 18 over par, as always, proudly driven by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. You can go see Wilkie down at the dealership, and if you buy a new or used vehicle from him, he will take you for a round at Breezy Bend. Or if you're nice, he may just take you for a round uh, anyway. And we also have a custom 8-inch DQ cake that we are going to eat on Brett's behalf, uh, seeing as he is in, well, just what, just outside of Ottawa? Or are just you in Ottawa? Ottawa? Just outside of Ottawa. So uh, we, we may get that via Canada Post yeah. to you, uh, via Matt Levins. We'll see if it makes it there in one piece. Uh, but he, he he has a Levin's guarantee, but uh, who knows. But a big shout-out to the Nick and Nikki group of DQs. You can find them at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the Food Court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. You can follow them at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. So as we alluded to, you are in Ontario. 
the only place on the planet where you are not allowed to play golf or pretty much do anything. So how has that been? It's been a difficult couple of weeks. Uh, it's been very depressing, especially today. Today was 22 and sunny. Um, I get an automated email from our golf course when you have booked tee times and our, our booking <laughs> schedule still open in anticipation of the golf course being open and us getting good news from uh, Supreme Chancellor Doug Ford, who's uh, or Darth Vader, as has been <laughs> coined on Twitter lately, that... Uh, that we might get an opportunity. Apparently today, the reason that we can't golf is not because golf isn't safe. Uh, it's because uh, he thinks it's about how many pints and pops you'll have post round. It's not about <laughs> it. It's, it's being in a party afterwards in a, in a parking lot or something. And, but uh, it's a little, it's a little disappointing, uh, but you know, we're, we're close to the end. Uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to complain at all and get a COVID ban from, uh, from the government over your podcast here before we, we keep moving. So what was, uh, what was Ford's quote today? Wasn't he saying his buddies were going out drinking after the round or something? Seems yeah, like a it, bone, bonehead thing to say. It was one of those things where they asked the question was, uh, so what about our outdoor activities? And he said, well, it's not that golf's a problem. It's that two or three or four guys pile in a car and then they go and have pints afterwards and and so kind of a little ridiculous to uh to blame it i mean i feel bad for people that play tennis or basketball or anything mm -hmm. you can't i mean parks right. are closed all outdoor recreation is closed and, and i mean my neighbors here they have you know 10 and 11 year old kids they can't play group sports can't play soccer right. can't do exactly. anything it's, it's it's just disappointing but yeah it, as as an avid golfer it's uh it's depressing. And I will do a couple of housekeeping items as well, seeing as uh, we are in a bit of a, a lockdown here too. Not as bad as it is in Ontario. We are doing this via Zoom. So uh, we also have another person on the line as well. We're going to get into a few stories. Uh, Dale Hall joins us, I believe, from Calgary, somewhere in Alberta. Whereabouts yeah, are you? Calgary. You're in Northwest Calgary, did you say? North, Northeast Calgary. Oh, you're in the knee. So I was uh, in Calgary for a bit. Yeah. Northeast Calgary is known as the knee. It is shitty. Um, but <laughs> it is not great. I am in, I am a minority out here. <laughs> we know how it is. And uh, we wanted to specifically kind of bring you in. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the stories, but also get into a nickname. So, Mike, what were some of the nicknames you have here in Monsion? Yeah, the first one I wanted to get into is it is it accurate your nickname is Roy Munson? That that is correct. Yes. <laughs> and JR, do you know who Roy Munson is? Uh, he was a famous bowler. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 1996 film named Kingpin starring Woody Harrelson, just a washed up bowler and then uh, he meets the the Amish boy and brings him to the championship there, but uh how did that nickname come about? I imagine just because uh, Monsion kind of sounds like Munson, or are you a really good bowler? Uh, yeah, I am a terrible bowler. <laughs> terrible bowler. Uh, no, my uh, when I my first year of uh, St. James Canucks. So I played St. James Canucks from 2003 to 06. My first year, our captain was uh, David Flock, and his favorite movie was Kingpin. <laughs> so it it kind of started right there of uh you know your last name kind of sounds like munson and then <laughs> it turned into i think i think in one of my first exhibition games i threw a bad pizza up the middle and he's like well that one was munson to the middle of nowhere <laughs> and uh it just kind of stuck and then it morphed into roy and roy e and then 
it's uh it's kind of been my handle since then and it's uh it's what most people would call me that that aren't my parents. I think my parents are the only ones that still call me Brett. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think I knew you as Roy. And then I was like, wait, his name's Brett Montion. I didn't. And then I, I just kind of lost there. But that's the only nickname I wanted to bring up at this point. Maybe we'll get into another one later on. Well, does, does Dale want to chime in with any of this or no? Uh, I mean, he's, he's got Studio 54. He's got Fetter. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, he had a rapper name. Like, I would ask him a few questions about that. But yeah, he's got a couple of times for sure. <laughs> those are those are old, old, old. There's there was monsoon in high school, which mm-hmm. is which was that. And then I've got a couple of new ones here since I moved to Ontario from my new golf club out here. Brooks Kepka. I get Kepka a lot. So <laughs> it's funny you say Brooks. It's funny you say Brooks Kepka. So I like to only wear Nike clothing too, which is convenient in the fact that Kepka sponsored by Nike. Uh, my buddy and I, who's an Air Canada pilot here, about two years ago, we drove down to um, to Binghamton on like the first weekend of April. It was going to be twenty degrees Celsius in Binghamton, and it was minus one in Ottawa. So I figured to make the three-hour drive down south, play a little golf, and we go play this course called Enjoy. And it's a, it's a course that's actually on the PGA Tour. On the used to be on the PGA Tour as the BC Open. Now it's on the Senior PGA Tour uh, as a location. And we play mm-hmm. this course, and <clears throat> we get paired up with two local players for the round. And uh, we're thinking, okay, you know, like my buddy's a pretty good golfer, and we're, we're playing we're playing a little cash game. And this guy rolls in. And he's got he's wearing jeans first of all <laughs> on a Sunday morning to play golf. <laughs> And he's got saddle shoes, like like white shoes with the brown stripe over top nice. from ah, 1975. And they haven't been cleaned since then either. Okay. He's probably played a hundred and plus rounds at least. In them. And uh, he comes up and he goes, Hey, like you guys want to play for money. And we're like, ah, no, don't worry. Like not going to be a big deal. And he goes, you know, on the first, he looks at me, he goes, you know, you kind of look like that, uh, he says the name wrong. He goes, you look like that Bruce Kepka guy. <laughs> like we we're like, Oh yeah, yeah. I get that a lot. You know? Okay. And, and so from then on for about a half year, I was called Bruce at my golf club just to get that going. But, uh, so we get down the first tee and this guy hits it and he dinks it out there about 220 down the pipe, hits it in the middle of the green, two putts, watch the next tee. This guy goes out and shoots 71, <laughs> one under it. Enjoy. <laughs> And turns out he's a former, like, senior mid-am champion oh of upstate New York. And he was just wanting us to give him strokes in the first tee and just hustle oh, us for that. what a shark. Wow. Oh, in jeans buddy. and those shoes. And that's that's in impressive jeans. in itself. In jeans. He was he was one under on the front nine. And I think we were struggling. New course, tight. <laughs> either way. Easy yeah, money. So Bruce, Bruce is another nickname that stuck for a while. And I was Kepka's... Uh, uh, handicapped cousin is the way they said it. Look, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Well, I, I, you kind of, I, you, we almost, I could say you, you play like him in a sense. Cause you got yourself down to a, a scratch. Like, are you scratch golfer now? Uh, my cap right now is sitting at three. Um, I got down to a point three last summer. Uh, I had a couple of good weeks of really good golf and, uh, and that's, that's the lowest I'd ever, I'd, I'd ever got down to. I think, I think, uh, you know, I'll hover around a two or a three most of the time. And you ended up winning your club championship. Was it in 2017? I did. Yeah. So I joined a golf club in uh, Manatic, which is just south of just south of Ottawa. A great golf club was in the top 100 in Canada for, uh, for many years. We're just outside. We're an honorable mention in score golf. And, um, 
It, uh, I was very fortunate. We had a, it was a weird weekend in that, um, the first round got played the second round. We got rained out and the third round played. So I play the first round and, uh, I go out and shoot 73 in the first round and we go to the second round and we play, we play nine holes before we get rained out and they decide to cancel the day. And the guy I was playing with, he shot 45 on the front. He was, he was 73 the day before. So we were tied going in. He shot 45 in the front and I shot 30 and I shot 34. He had a real rough day. So the announcement comes out that, yeah, we're canceling the day, eliminating the round. It's not going to count. We're going to move to tomorrow. And he's like, boys, I just made up 11 shots. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like it was fixed. (laughs) Yeah. But we went out the next day and I I was, I was, uh, I was fortunate enough. I shot, uh, I shot 73 again the next day with uh, a four putt on 18 because I knew I had five putts to win and I made sure I tapped it in and gave it a little tappy and uh, ended up, was lucky enough to win, uh, win our A championship at Renewville. And that's wow. a, a pretty, it looks like it's a yeah, pretty nice, as you mentioned, uh, honorable mention in, in score golf, but also it seems pretty long. Like would you guys play from the tips for we club would, championships? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they would, they would mix in a scoring hole, they, uh, depending on the, how they wanted the course to set up. We have one hole on the back nine, the 17th hole where it can play as long as 390 and it could play as short from the front tee as 275 and they put it up there for RT block to, as a, as a scoring hole late mm-hmm. in the round, if you wanted to risk reward covered by bunkers, it's a good, it's actually a really good golf hole, but it's, um, it's a, it's a 7,000 yard golf course uh, from the black tees. It's a long golf course and we don't get a lot of roll. Wow. So if someone tells, if someone tells you, it's not like, it's not like I used to be a member of Glendale when I lived in Winnipeg, it's not like Glendale where someone will say, yeah, I hit it 320 and it's, well, you carried it 290 and you got 30 yards of good roll <laughs> because it's rock hard and it, and it played, yeah. it's the prairies. You guys are in a drought right now from yeah. what I hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so it'd be fast and, and quick, but our course it's, um, well, how far did you carry the ball? Oh, 290. How far was your drive? 289. Yeah, <laughs> it, would, it would literally land, plug, bounce back one. Bounce back. There's no roll, so so it play it plays a long seven thousand yards. But it's a it's a it's a wonderful golf course with uh, really good people. Very similar to Glendale, in that uh, has a has a strong Jewish heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, started the same very similar ways to the reason that Glendale started in Winnipeg, and and uh, just a really good uh, good group of people. Did. Uh... Paul, carry the bag for you because we had Mooney on episode three. And when Mooney won the Hannah at Assiniboine, Hall was on the bag for him on the playoff hole. So maybe he's the good luck charm. I, 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 I was listening to that today with Forbes. Tell, Dale, tell the story. I mean, you're. No, I don't want to tell a story. I'll let you tell a story because you tell it so much better than I do. But uh, I was never on the bag with Monson because I'm a mental midget. But. <laughs> <laughs> bag for me when I qualified for the Manitoba men's amateur uh, back-to-back <laughs> years. And it's, it's, it's a pretty good story because like we were one of the few people who were out there just to have some fun, have a few cocktails. And we were playing with these guys and they're throwing their clubs. They're going pro. And uh, I think it was two over going on 17. It, uh, the cut was five. I'll kind of let months to take over from here, but it was so <laughs> So we're playing, we're playing Bloomberg, old Bloomingdale's, right? And this is for the amateur, 07, for the Manitoba amateur qualifying. Oh, 07, Dale? oh yeah. About, about 2007. Yeah, and Dale okay. was a, Dale yeah. was a legit stick and, and he was, so I'm, ca- I'm, I'm caddying for him and we, uh, <laughs> 
playing really well, not really making any mistakes, just hit the middle of the green to putt, walk the next tee, made a couple of nice shots for birdies, had a couple of good bogeys that are just, you know, up and down. You're going to make mistakes. And uh, we get to the 17th tee, and our goal the whole day was, you know, from the past years at Bloomberg, kind of break 80 at Bloomberg, and you were going to get into the amateur. Um, 80 or 81 was typically the playoff at the end of the day. And uh, so we're two or three over on 17 T. So we're right in there. It's par 71. We got six shots to play for two holes. You know, a couple of double bogeys gets us in the tournament. We don't need to go out and be low round. We don't need to be anything. <laughs> so we're standing on 17 T and I go to Dale. He's like, yeah, give me the driver. And I'm like, Dale, hit your hybrid. Been hit it perfect. Let's just hit hybrid up there. We'll hit an iron to the left side. There's water on the right. Like we'll get up and down. If we don't get up and down, we make bogey it worse. We walk to the next tee. You know, we, we can take a nine and we're in the tournament on 19, <laughs> right? Not like, it's not the end of the world. Like Dale's like, nah, give me the driver. Give me the driver. I'll be, I'll be good. Give me the driver. Proceeds, <laughs> proceeds to top hosel it dead left off the, you know, the like protection fence at Bloomberg yeah. that like protects the 12th green or whatever hammers the pole dead right into the hazard, into the gully. Oh, no. <laughs> we can't, we don't know if we're going to find it. So he's got to hit a provisional strikes the provisional. No problem. It's right down the gut, you know, two ninety ish. And, uh, but so we have to go down, we go down, we find it. And thankfully no water, but he's in like the rose bushes or whatever they are, the, like the big bush. So he takes a big hack and moves it, I don't know, 10 feet, hits another one up there. Anyways, we make, we make a pretty good seven. So now, now we're five over and it's like pressure's on. We're like, oh, we want to be 78, you know, a little bit of a cushion mm-hmm. in case it's a good day. Want to be 79. <clears throat> so he's like, give me, give me driver again. So I'm like, Dale, hit the hybrid again. Let's hit it up there. Wedge it to foot or two. You know, you, you got a great wedge game and hits driver hits a great drive, but you know, on at Bloomberg, there's that little gully that runs and it's, it's actually stake that day as a red hazard. Oh, wow. So he hits a great drive, cuts the corner, everything yeah. doesn't carry it far enough to the hazard or like to clear the hazard. So now he's like in the gully in the hazard. Oh. Yeah, so now we're sitting there. We're going, okay, what are we going to do? We want to take the drop. Do you want to hack it? Anyways, he hacks it up, gets it short of the green and, and it's Bloomberg's 18th green is horrible. Like, like horribly difficult. Mm-hmm. It's so slow yeah. Yeah. and the pins in the, ex, like the, the middle of the green, right in the middle of the green. <sighs> So we're like, okay, just chip it to the chip it to the low side at the bottom. You know, he hacks it out of the hacks it out of the hazard. He's got 60 yards. Chip it to the low side. There's a little ridge. Uphill putt. We'll two putt. We'll make bogey. Not the, you know, we'll be in six over 77. We'll be we'll be fine. Skulls the chip <laughs> over the green. So now he's back back left of the green to a green that's like angled away from him towards the river to a middle pin. <laughs> Can't do anything about it. Hits this flop shot. Hits a really good shot to the back edge. He's got 15 feet up the hill for bogey. And now he, and he leaves it five feet short. <laughs> so now we've got a look at double that we're thinking, okay, uh, 78, you know, who knows? It's going to be the number like can't miss this. 79 could be the playoff. It's been a pretty easy year. And I step up and I look at him and I go, I'm like, your grandma can make this putt. And it's the first time all day he like just walked up and stiffed one right in there. We made the cut by three, <laughs> got into the amateur and uh, it was good. It's, 
it's uh, it was it was I felt I felt I felt vindicated as the caddy that none of, none of these mistakes were my fault. <laughs> now he was yeah he was really good in the bag. <laughs> Sounds like awesome. you didn't listen to him though. That's the only issue is that you didn't <clears> listen. <throat> I guess you still made it. It was like Jordan. It was like Jordan's beat today. He just talked me off both times. Like <laughs> I had this weird confidence come over me, which was a huge mistake. <laughs> and then how did you do in the amateur? You, you so that was the uh, was qualifying eight, round. Yeah, I was I was eighty three, eighty one, and didn't make the cut. Okay, yeah, that was at Bell Acres in Minnewasta. So the yeah, first two yeah, rounds exactly. were at, at Bell Acres there. Yeah, and then. Yeah, well, Monsion, did you ever there. play in? Uh, did you ever play in the amateur? I did. I played in the 2009 and the 2012 amateur, so I uh, I was able to qualify both times. But you didn't um, make the cut, like Dale. No, yeah. <laughs> I remember the first time. So I remember the first time at Pinawa in 09 and Pinawa is a hard golf course. And one of my favorite golf courses in, in, in Manitoba, like it's anyone, it's worth the hour drive out to Pinawa. It's mm-hmm. such a good track. It has unreal bones. Like I just wish they had budget to, to manicure it like a, like a <laughs> private golf club. Cause it's so mint. For sure. Um, and our good buddy lives in Pinawa now, uh, Dave Cameron, you guys, know oh, yeah. from yep. Dave and Dave, Dave's family and him own the, uh, the grocery store out in Campbell's. I know no free ads, but, uh, <laughs> grocery store and lack of money, but <laughs> he's, um, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's doing well up there. He's so that course is mint, but it's hard. And it's hard when you're at like a weekend playing with your buddies and you're like, you hammer one 10 yards out of, you know, left off the tee and a foot off the fairway is Canadian shield. Like your yeah. can't you can't find it. It's, it's gone. Good luck. But imagine doing that in a tournament where you have to co- like count every stroke. It's not yeah. like, I'll oh, just drop one here. No, it's like, yeah. oh, you have the tee. Wow. So I'm playing with a guy. It's the fourth hole in, in the 09. So I'm playing with this guy and <laughs> the fourth hole is a par three. It's 180 yards from the tee, 175 yards. And it's not that hard of a hole, but you know, you can make a mistake or two and he hits his first one right and right is out of bounds. So he has to hit a, he has to hit a provisional. It's not out of bounds, but it's probably a lost ball. So he has to hit a provisional. He hits his second one out of bounds or to the right. So he puts another one in and he's marked his balls. He hits his third one out of bounds. So he puts it back down again and he's telling us what ball is what, because he's got to mark the ball and like, okay, this one's black dots. Okay. And he's got to play the same ball. Like we're one ball rule in Manitoba amateur time. So you, you can't play like if you've got a sleeve of Provies in your bag and then you got a sleeve of Callaways, you can't switch. You oh, have really? Oh, okay. You have to play the same ball. Mm-hmm. So, I wouldn't do well at that. I got just multiple <laughs> varieties of balls. Top in my bag. flights. Do you, get, do you get your balls from the guy that's in the parking lot of Bloomberg? And he's got a yeah. big, big exactly. That's exactly correct. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. That's called. No. So, so he keeps hitting. So he hits another one out of bounds and then he hits another one out. So finally he's hitting his 13th T ball His 13 shot. Ooh. He hits it up, finally hits it in play, and then gets up. He makes 17. <laughs> 17. Now, the other guy and I, we we hit one up, I think, you know, in the bunker or up in the up on the edge of the green. So we're we're standing there, watch this guy reload, reload, reload. And 
it's a little hard to mentally get back into a game of golf yeah. after you've watched the guy make, you know, take nine swings for balls out of bounds. Um, Is there no limit in the amateur? There's no limit. Mm-hmm. No limit. So, so anyways, he makes a 17. He's upset. Conveniently, he didn't show up for round two. Ah. <laughs> and uh, so we go out and we play, but, and Pino was a hard golf course. It's just, it, I remember shooting. So I think I shot 87 in the first round. It was not good. I didn't play well, but mm-hmm. I wasn't a good, I wasn't a good golfer. I got in on the number in the qualifying and, and, uh, and I remember saying to my dad who was caddying for me, I was like, you know, it won't be that bad. Like it's a hard golf course. Like, you know, 75 could be the lead. Won't be that off. Go out and shoot, you know, mid seventies tomorrow or high seventies. And, you know, maybe, maybe we'll have a sniff at the cut. I get in I look at the leaderboard. Ah, 67. All right. That's not good. And then 68, 68, 69, 70. Like there were like 15 guys under par that day. And I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe I'm a little outclassed here at this tournament. But you made your way back. I'm, so I did. So I took, I took a couple years off. I joined Glendale in 2010 and uh, started practicing more, started playing more with, uh, with some really good golfers, Justin McDonald, who's been, ah, yeah. you know, it was one of the best golfers in Manitoba, amateur mm-hmm. golfers. He's, you know, played mid ams. He's an Manitoba amateur champ, match play champ, played with Ryan cook. Who's uh who's a fantastic golfer, uh, uh, Michael Goldberg. And, and just started, we started playing for money on weekends and you start grinding out you start getting a little bit better and learning how that, you know, how to minimize your mistakes. And I got back into the 2012 and <clears throat> got into a qualifier qualifying with um playing the qualifier with mike tibbs another great golfer used to be at pine ridge i believe he's at breezy bed now yeah i think both uh, him and uh, justin mcdonald both at breezy that team for the monday putter team at breezy bend is not fair like they're <laughs> i mean eric johnson's there is garth calling still playing I, think? Uh, I don't know if he still plays money putter he's still playing um yeah. but I don't, I don't know if he's still uh, in in money but i'm sure he does play i know i think wilkie plays every now and then who uh, at winnipeg dodge he'll he'll get out there former manitoba amateur champ as well there's just yeah. a slew of of people that uh that were at breezy pete moore who again who i don't know if you ever played with pete moore but he was at breezy for forever as well yeah so pete pete's pete's hilarious too because so in the 2012 uh amateur i hadn't met pete or played against him and uh, he's in the group ahead of me uh, in the second round at Glendale after the qualifying and uh, it, you're at the, uh, in the, in the second round at Glendale and uh, all day, it was basically like he was in my group. <laughs> it's all you can hear is him from across the golf course. How does that not fucking break? Or like he was just screaming across the golf course. And you'd ask him, you're like, what did you shoot today? He's like, ah, 71. You know, like you, you thought you thought he shot 85. He was he was so angry the whole day. But no, and then I mean that was my home course. I wanted to get into that tournament and I wanted to play. Uh, I played not bad. I think I was 81, 79. I missed the cut by I think three or four. Um it's uh but it was it was a good test and and um you know, fond memories of playing in, in the amateur championships. And then, and then I was, when I was at Glendale, I, I, I made the Monday putter team for a while. Mm. And, um, so got to play in, in competitive match play and, and, and get a little bit better. And, and it's helped as I move over, as I moved into Ontario, um, we don't do a Monday putter type league in, uh, in Eastern Ontario. They, they have, um, a one day tournament called the intersectional championships. And it's kind of a neat format in that your top 10 from your club, make your team. 
and then you'll have two alternates in case someone else. So you're, you're nominating a 12 man team and you have to rank them after your team is made. And, and usually there's a qualifying at your home club and, mm. and you have to, you have to rank them in lowest handicap is in your number one spot and your highest handicap is in your 10 spot. There's no way to jig your format. And there's a, there's an A division all the way down to like a, a P or a Q division based on your club's rating from the year before, whether you got okay. relegated or you stayed in. Mm-hmm. And every every division has four teams. So our club has been in the A division almost every year, apparently, since this tournament started for 30 plus years. And um, um, you play match play against the other clubs, but in every group you'll have, so in Ottawa, I play at Rita view. Then there's uh, the Ottawa hunt club, which is kind of like the St. Charles of, uh, uh, of Ottawa. Uh, they have reciprocal, I believe. And then there's uh, there's a course on, it's on the Gatineau side, but included is Rivermead, very good players. And then it kind of alternates between uh, Camelot, which is a golf course in Orleans, just east of the city. And then, and then the Royal Ottawa will kind of relegate between the two. And those are kind of the, <clears throat> The, the, the main five clubs that play in the A or top of the B. If you lose, if you finish fourth, you get relegated down a level. If you win your division, you go up a level until you're at the top. Um, so our, you'll have in each group, so in the 10 spot, you'll have the 10th golfer from Rideau View, Hunt Club, Rivermead, and Camelot, for example. And you're playing three individual matches at the same time. Mm. So you might have a two foot putt for par on the first hole and auto and hunt club might say, that's good. You might still have to putt it because Camelot and Rivermead will say, no, I want to see it. (laughs) So you end up, you end up, you're like, okay, I'm good in one match, but I got to make this the other. So if you miss the putt, you might go down in two matches and stay all all square in one because he gave it to you. So it's an, it's a completely pressure cooked day. Yeah. And uh, I haven't been fortunate enough to, to make the team. I've, I, I took my, my extensive caddying uh, skills that I learned with Dale Hall and the Mathab <laughs> Amateur too. I caddied for, for our club champion uh, at, at, uh, at an event in, at, at the event in 2017. And uh, we were able to win it that year as our team. We're, that year, <clears throat> here's how good our golf club is. We have over 100 players under a four handicap at our golf club. Oh. In a golf club that has about 700 players. Wow. And uh, so it's great for wanting to get a good game in. There's always people that want to play golf. Um, And that year, so you took the 10 players, the average handicap was plus. Gee. Plus 0.1 or (laughs) 0.2. And the worst, our 10 spot was a 0.7 handicap. You're going to win a lot of matches when your 10 spots playing a four or a three yeah, for a yeah. club and you're, there's no strokes. It's, it's, uh, so we end up, you know, we end up with a really, really good golf club and, and good players that, uh, that can play a little bit better than, uh, than, uh, than what I was used to playing in the Monday player league, but <laughs> nothing against any of the guys there. It's just the, co- the quality of competition is fantastic out here. Mm. It's, 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 it's demoralizing when, you go out and shoot into qualifying 75, 76 and miss and miss the team by three shots. You know, like you're not even in the, like 74, 74 is puts you in a playoff for the team. And it's, 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 uh, That's but tough. it's fun. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a great golf club and in, in doing that. 
Mike, did you want to touch on a, a little course in Georgia? Uh, in Georgia, Georgia. Augusta. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, so uh, I vaguely remember <laughs> Georgia. There's courses in Georgia. We, we know your geography is way off, but <laughs> I'll try and simplify a, it for you. <laughs> I had a rough week uh, on geography, but I vaguely remember a picture of you from a long time ago uh, standing in front of uh, Augusta National Clubhouse. Uh, do I have this correct? That's true. Yeah. So um, yeah. how did that come about? So... Um, my dad used to work with uh, a gentleman that in the night. So if you guys know about the, got like the, the masters at Augusta, they used to have uh, a lottery that if you won the lottery, you would get tickets sent to you for the rest of the time. You get two right. tickets every master's week. sent. Oh, okay. To you. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I do enter a yearly, uh, application to try and win tickets, but it's just for one day, yep. whether it be a practice round or uh, a tournament round, but it's not for all time. Yep. Um, haven't won yet, but oh, <laughs> still trying. So that's what they do now. They open it up to try to make I, golf was on, it's been on a big push right now. Golf golf's for everyone trying to get more inclusive and invite more people. But until then they had the tradition of, I think the, the lottery was 65, 73. And then they hadn't opened the tickets because they wanted to keep a certain amount of patrons every year at the club. Right. And then in 99, they opened it for what was, I think the last lottery for week tickets, like Thursday to Sunday tickets. And my dad's colleague, um, he won tickets in 1999 in the lottery. Wow. So every year he gets two tickets sent to him to go to the masters. And, um, he actually might. So my dad, my dad used to work also with, with, uh, Gord Hudson, who's a fantastic player out of uh, Southwood golf club. He's a, he's a Monday putter bet player. And, um, and, uh, he's played in the mid am and, uh, really good player at Southwood. And so Gord was also working and asked, you know, you know, Mike, you won these tickets, you know, are you going to go every year? He said, well, he went, he went three or four years in a row and it's expensive to fly down to, you know, to Atlanta or to, to Columbia, South Carolina and, and uh, get down and, and uh, every year, the mm -hmm. tickets itself are, are only $50 a day per person. Oh, wow. So yeah. it's, it's $200 for the week ticket. And it per, per person, $400 all in. It's, it's not expensive to go. Um, but every year you just can't, the flights, the hotels, the travel, it become it becomes, you know, extensive. So he would, he would ask, you know, who wants to go in a certain year? So, um, my dad asked, you know, it's been on, it was on my bucket list of a place I wanted to go forever. It was my top three. It was number one. I'd love to go to the masters and see the place. And, uh, he asked, you know, what years you have available? I think it was 2007. He asked and he said, well, the 2011 masters is open. You know, I'm not going, I don't have anyone that's going to go. Would you like to go? My dad said, sure. So I jumped on it. And so for four years, I knew I was going to the masters. Wow. And, <laughs> and that day came and <clears throat> we, we flew out on a, on the Wednesday, uh, leading into the tournament. And, um, went with my mom and my dad and my, my, my parents were nice enough to let me go all four days. And I alternated, I went Friday, Saturday, or sorry, Thursday, Saturday with my mom and, and Friday, Sunday with my dad. And, uh, at the same time, um, 
uh, Andrew Steep, who was head pro at Glendale, who I was there, also was at the tournament for that entire week with, <laughs> with Tim Tabor and his dad. And and uh, so the, the Glendale pros were there at the same time. So it was cool. We saw them around the golf course, able to talk to some locals. And <clears throat> But I was able to go to all four days. And, and at the time, and I still believe it's true, I don't believe you can bring cell phones onto the golf course. So the yeah. only place you could get video or a photo during the tournament is that one photo in front of the clubhouse and they would take it and they'd give you a little, little card that had a barcode on it. And then you'd go on, look online later and it'd be posted and you could save the photo. And that's the only photo that you would have from that tournament. Right. But uh, yeah, what a TV. I, I, I don't know who else you talked to about it, but TV does not do it justice. It is immaculate. And like the 10th tee down to the 10th green is, is something like 130 feet downhill. <laughs> wow. Like, like it's yeah. a 13 story building from tee box down to green. That's wow. insane. Yeah. I, and I also think the greens, you really don't get to see those undulating uh, curves on TV as, as true as they are in real life. Yeah. It's, it's, it, if you ever get a chance, if you ever want a Monday, you know, like in that lottery, uh, Mike, like, have you ever won that on a Monday? Like, you got to go. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter what it costs. Go down. Absolutely. The good part about the practice rounds would be when you can bring your phone on. You can take photos and video. Really? Mm. I was wondering on the Wednesday there, they have the the par three championships on, or that, that contest. So I, I wonder if that's still considered a practice round. Yeah, they, they allow photos on the, and phones on, on practice round day. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the other thing, uh, you know, golf school and all, but I really like food and, uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, iconic cheap food prices at the, uh, at Augusta there. So I was curious if you got into, you know, any of the pimento and cheese or, uh, do you remember the food prices? Yeah. So <laughs> I remember more booze prices too, but, yeah. uh, and, and Dale can, Dale can talk about this too. So everything they do is like, a it's like a, a conveyor belt. You basically, they have these massive barns where they have all their food and drink and they're in certain locations or the golf course. And it's literally like single file, but there's 15 lines. You get in, you grab what you want. And then at the end you pay and it's cash, right? All cash. And here you go. And it was at the time it was $3 domestic beers and then dollar waters, dollar power raids, dollar and a half sandwiches, uh, some would be two dollars, depending on where the pimento was a dollar and a half. The breakfast sandwiches were two dollars, so you could go there and have thirty pints. Yeah, <laughs> it was ninety dollars, <laughs> and the word, you you couldn't get drunk. It's ninety five degrees Fahrenheit. You, right. you finish your drink, you you're sweating it through. You're dehydrated, meat like it's done. You can't you can't get drunk. So, but the best part is they all come in because there's no advertising at all on the golf course. Everything is in master's packaging, mm-hmm. master's labels. So they give you these commemorative plastic cups. And I, I felt like when I left every day, I was like the snake at a bomber's game. It was 30 <laughs> cups high. I carried them all out. But, but I ended up using that as, as gifts. For, so when I came home, I, I, I washed all of them and, and I brought them back home in my suitcase and I gave it to, uh, you know, Dale has a couple of cups and, and uh, gave them to everyone that was, that was back home that wanted them as, as a souvenir from, from the trip. Do you still That's have awesome. those cups there, Dale, or no? percent they're actually still on my shelf in my bedroom oh wow so i literally knocked on my door and i answered and he's like hey here's two cups a yardage book 
see you later. Walked out. <laughs> like, this is unreal. Oh, man. Wow. And the, you think about it, it was one of the best gifts you can think of yeah. in this because he couldn't take pictures. I had no idea what he was doing down there, but I was so jealous that he was, yeah. you, know, you know, seeing everything that's going on. Even the, uh, even the apparel, you're only allowed to buy it right on the grounds there with the exception of last year, you were allowed to buy it online because they didn't have patrons on site, but, uh, I didn't take advantage of that, but, uh, did you get any apparel while you were down there? So what was super cool about it is they didn't want anyone carrying bags around the golf course. So you go through the pro shop and you go and buy whatever you like. You take a look at all the master's apparel or, or memorabilia. And as soon as you buy it, you would walk out of the section and they had probably 15 little bays and they were all people that work for FedEx. Oh, so you wow. walk in, you buy your stuff and you'd say, Hey, I'd like to ship this to, you know, Winnipeg and here's, yeah. here's my address. <laughs> and they go, no problem. It'd be $5. <laughs> Wow. Masters covers the rest. They don't want you to have anything on the site. You can't leave it. So you would put it in there and you'd show up. It would show up when we got home. That's phenomenal. And and it was, and the cool thing. So the cool thing about Augusta is everyone buys a chair, the green chairs. I don't know if you see them on on, on TV Mm -hmm. and I don't know if anyone's explained how it works for, for the chair. The chair has a little slot on the back where you put a business card. Oh, and that becomes your chair and your seat for the tournament. Once you put it on the ground, no one is allowed to move it. Not, not security, not another patron, no one. Hmm. Anyone can sit in it. But if you come back and go, hello, sir, or this is my chair, no problem. And you're, you're up and out and you leave. So it was pretty cool when my dad and I on the Sunday, we followed in the morning, we followed uh, DJ and Ernie L's early on. They were early out. They just made the cut and we wanted to watch DJ hit a drive on the 14th tee. And there's one little row of chairs, four seats that you're able to sit behind the tee at 14. You're the only one. Everyone else is in the grandstand on the left. There's, there's a row of four or six chairs. And no one's sitting in them. <clears throat> There's a bunch of guys standing on the side, but no one's sitting in them. So my dad and I, we wheel in. And the rule is you can sit in anyone's chair until that patron comes back and taps you in the shoulder and then you leave. So we wheel in and we sat down in other people's chair and DJ hit. We sat there. We waited. Ernie Els hit. Roe Ishikawa hit. And then the guys that were standing there, they get, hey, it's our chair. Do you mind if we sit back down? No problem. We got up, moved over and went and sat back in our chairs. And on Sunday, we were... We were our, our, we put our chair down between the bunkers on the right side behind 16 green. So if if you remember in 05, that's that's the green where Tiger hit his, yeah. you know, his famous chip, and it's where a lot of tournaments kind of you birdie 16. It's it, you look at Tiger in 2019, he birdie 16, gave him the two shot cushion, pretty much put the Masters away, and that that was where all the action to kind of happen. You know, 15 the par five. There's no real good seats other than than the grandstands at 15 and grandstands don't have the same rule from the chairs. So you get up and leave, you lose your seat. So you'd have to sit there the whole day in the sun. And so we put our chairs at 16 and that was the year where McElroy had a four shot lead going into the final round. And then he hit his drive on 10. <laughs> like TV doesn't how far left that is. It is 140 yards left. In the <laughs> wow. And he hit it 40 yards forward and 140 yards dead left. He hit a tree and kicked towards like the Eisenhower, like, like, uh, the, the chalets that are back there. 
And so he was terrible. Him and Angel Cabrera were in the final group. Neither of them played really well. But that was a day that – so Tiger was five under through eight. And he makes eagle on the eighth hole. My dad and I are standing down behind 16 green by six green. And there's a massive scoreboard there. And we hear this roar and I'm like eight hole who's on eight. And you're like, that's tiger. Like he, that's not a birdie roar. Like that's it. When they say like there's different roars, it's totally true. When you make an eagle, it is loud. So we see the, we hear it. I'm like, that's tiger on eight. He made eagle dad. Like he's tied to lead. He's 10 under. And then they post it right as, McElroy's group's kind of getting to six and everyone sees everything going on. And, and that was a point where at one point when Tiger made the turn on the ninth hole after the ninth hole, there were 10 guys at 10 under par tied for the lead. Hmm. And then Schwartzel ended up, you know, birdie 15, 16, 17 and 18 to win. Jason day was in the, you know, in the run, he was 12 under Am Scott was 12 under tiger was a 10. Like it was just, just a fantastic masters to be able to go to like, just very lucky. So wow. I've had the chance. What yeah. a great story. Yeah, certainly. It sounds like it. And we're, I don't know if we, we may get into a bit more golf uh, later, but I also want to talk about hockey and the good thing that we have a uh, hall on here as well. Mm-hmm. And so before we get into yourself, a uh, refereeing, I want to know if hall has any good stories about you uh, playing hockey together and yeah. Is he a better official or is he a better hockey player? I would hands down say he's a better official. He's one of those guys, and like, we've all met Munson. We know him. That guy doesn't give two shits what you think about him, and he brought that to the end. And, you know, to have the ability to rest someone when you're actually buddies with them, I thought was insane. But he kept his emotions in check all the time, and it was, it was nuts. Um, it wasn't easy. <laughs> The amount, of, the amount of times that we'd, we'd play a hockey game and like I'd get into it with him or like, you can ask any of the boys, Mooney, Levins, Miney, any of the, like any of the guys. And then we'd meet at the Heights after for a beer with this guy. <laughs> like, like Jonesy, like it's like Jonesy's dad would come like threaten to kill him, but then you'd buy him a beer later. Like, <laughs> you know, like that's a lot of enemies like, for two hours and then I'd have pints with everyone for three hours. After. Yeah. But I mean like that, like that's the hockey mentality. Like, like you're battling on the ice, but once it's done, like it is what it is. Um, I, I truly think like, I think Munson was a great hockey player. He had a good vision. Um, you know, he, he was one of the better skaters, but like when it came to refing, like he was so focused and determined to make it, um, that for me anyways, it was kind of inspiring. Like I actually, at one point kind of traveled around Western or I guess Eastern Canada following him during his journey, trying to become an initial ref. Like I went to what Cleveland, Buffalo, uh, Toronto, just watching him ref in the NHL because he was waiting for a shot to hit the NHL. And, you know, I was a part of that which I'm very fortunate enough. And he kind of allowed me to, you know, watch games and do a lot of things and like his determination and like his fitness and everything he worked for, like the guy was meant to be a referee, but you know, like there's so much more that goes into it. So like as much as I want to say the guy was a decent hockey player, which I don't think he was, he was a good referee. (laughs) Do you want to tell him the story about what happened in Cleveland? No, you can tell a story. <laughs> so, so we go down to do, so I'm doing an American league trip and uh, it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday fly in on Thursday kind of event. And I had, at the time I was flying, I'd flown a lot of WestJet because I was working the Western hockey league. So I had a bunch of points and I was just trying to continue it. And uh, this trip I got the, so I said, okay, I'll go to WestJet. And I had a bunch of companion vouchers I had to use. 
So I said to Dale and I said to Tyler Scammell, another uh, St. James Canadians alumni. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we, I said, you know, you guys want to come to, for the trip for the weekend? Like everything's paid for. I've got a hotel paid for rentals paid for flight, just paid the like companion voucher fee. So hundred bucks you get it. And you get a weekend in Cleveland, Buffalo and Toronto. And we'll go out and we'll, you know, we'll get after it. <laughs> and so we fly in, we fly in Thursday into Toronto. I got to wear a suit though. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so here's the one thing you're going to, if you're going to roll in with me, like we're going into Cleveland and Cleveland's rink it for late where Lake Erie monsters play is connected to progressive field. And it's the same arena where the Cavaliers play. So LeBron's there. <laughs> like, so the security is like, it's up and it's the U S too. So everyone's mm-hmm. got a gun. Everyone's got a vest. <laughs> and so we roll in. So I tell them before, I'm like, you gotta bring suits on the road. We'll dress up. You know, you'll walk in with me. We'll, you'll go, you know, behind the scenes, you'll come underneath the rink and go to the media room and hang out and whatever. So we go to, uh, we, we fly in Thursday in Toronto. We have a quiet night, have dinner, go to bed early. And I knew we had to get on the road and, and it's a five hour drive to Cleveland from Toronto, about four and a half. And we got across the border and, and uh, a little bit easier to do then than it is now. And um, so we drive, we make the trip down, we get into Cleveland about three o'clock. We want to get a pre, I want to get a pregame meal and maybe like a, a nap in the car, which that's the thing about the American hockey league. It's not the NHL. We're not at the Ritz. You know, we're not, we're not getting the like fly in the day before into the city, get the game day nap in, you know, the big meal it's, it's you're on the road, you're eating at Applebee's, maybe the cheesecake factory. If you feel like splurging a little yeah. and leftovers, you know, like it's not, it's not as glamorous as, as it was, but it was a ton of fun. And, um, so we get into Cleveland and we get, so we, we go eat and I kind of take a nap in the car for an hour. Uh, Dale and Tyler go cruise the mall that we were at and just outside downtown. And uh, we put on, we, so all three of us put in a suit and we pull into, pull into the rink and they've got security. Who are you? Who are you? And so I say, yeah, they're with me. They're, they're their supervisors are coming in. I tell them they're supervisors for the American hockey league. This is Dale Hall and Tyler Scammell. <laughs> supervisors yeah so, so you know usually it's bill mccreary or Rob yeah. Schick, like like a, an established nhl dan mccourt an established nhl linesman or referee from yester years no it's dale hall tyler scammell again yeah. you know anyway so we, we wheel in we go to the guys yeah no problem we wheel down you go underground and we pull into the rink and so i'm like yeah you guys go uh you guys go cruise around, like go cruise on the concourse and just meet me back here. I'll pick you up afterwards. <clears throat> Pasty, by the way, for the game. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sold out. It's like dog day at the park at, at the rink <laughs> in Cleveland. It's got 15,000 people. I'm three men in the game. So it's not four man referee. It's not two refs and two lines. It's one referee, two lines. This is the second best league in the world. I'm out there skating my bag off for two hours. It's exhausting. <laughs> you miss penalties left guys, hack a guy behind the player. Like, sorry, man, bucks over here. Like I can't, I can't see it. And if you're wheeling around, and I don't know where these guys are. I have no idea what they're doing in the game. I'm trying to text them in between periods to see what's going on. And so they're like, yeah, we're at the bar outside. And this is after the game. We're at the bar outside. I'm like, so what'd you guys do all game? Like, how did, how did, like, how did it go? Like, I, that, and so you tell the rest here because it was you. <laughs> so like LeBron has a box upstairs and we're walking around. We have no idea what we're doing. And I'm like, well, like we're at capacity. 
Dean Munson got us in, but he doesn't have a seats. So like, what do we do? <laughs> so I'm like, we're in these suits. We look great. Let's go up there. And we end up, end up we end up in a LeBron James's suite. Wow. <laughs> we just rolled by this guy. The guy's like, what are you guys doing here? I'm like, what do you mean what we're doing here? We're going to have a bite to eat and a couple of drinks. He's like, yeah, you're right. My, my mistake. Walks to the bar, gets us a drink. And we're like, thank you so much. And we literally sat in the box and watched Munson. And we're like sending him messages, like, you know, chirping him a little bit. But like, we literally had, you know, old fashions like we weren't allowed beers like very classy cocktails <laughs> and then like like a bag of chips but yeah we sat in lebron james's suite for the entire game and then walked out and went walked down to the bar and then munson picked us up you were signing so, autographs like you played for the team <laughs> no i didn't sign anything i said i would but then i wouldn't because i'm in a suit <laughs> couldn't then, take it that far oh, i didn't have teeth at the time either so it helped <laughs> you had just got back from Sweden and you were playing hockey in, in Sweden. Yeah, exactly. So the old jibs were kind of dangling a little bit. <laughs> had that any dental work. He was missing all his teeth. We so we we get back, we drive back to <clears throat> to Toronto that night. And it's the five hour drive after the game. So I'm getting back we're we're having a couple pops on the road. We've got to get a case of beer for the drive home. Dale and Tyler are getting pretty after it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm driving, so I'm being responsible. And and uh, and we get back over the border and, and cross. And, you know, we got the 3 o'clock afternoon game for the Marlies the next day. <clears throat> and uh, so we same kind of thing. We wheel into the Rico Coliseum, same thing, and it's, it's, it's three-man. And I'm thinking, okay, like I didn't get supervised last night. No one's going to be in Toronto to watch. So these guys are kind of chilling around underneath. They're in a suit and people are talking to them. And uh, Dan McCourt walks in and Dan McCourt was an NHL supervisor at the time. So now I got to be serious, kind of, kind of tired from the drive, whatever we do. We get in, I got to work the game. And uh, I see these guys cruising around in the concourse as I'm refing, like for TV timeout, I'm looking around. I'm like, what are these guys doing? Like you're talking to kids, kids are coming up like with like, like papers and, and pens. Like, can you sign this autograph? So it was, I was like, I was so preoccupied. I, I don't remember how I did in the games. I was so preoccupied looking at what's going on to these two clowns in the crowd. We go out that night into Toronto. <clears throat> so it's downtown Toronto and seven o'clock we go for dinner. And after dinner, we go to this club called Pravda. It's downtown Toronto, and it's a Russian vodka bar. There's a lineup like 200 people deep. And some of you might know this. I had a history of like pulling out the AHL hockey card to get into places when it was at <laughs> capacity. Okay, it's okay. You know, it's not a sh- I'm not a shame to say I did it because I got in, and I'd rather be inside <laughs> and embarrassed for using it than outside in the cold. Right. Like, so. You know, that's that old Chris Rock. Like, you hire Johnny Cochran if you look guilty. And it's like, well, would you rather look guilty at the mall or single in jail? Like, it's really, or uh, innocent in jail. (laughs) So, uh, we go to, so we get to this door and there's 200 people in line. And the guy goes, yeah, like, I I, I can't get you in unless, unless you want to put 200 bucks, you know, on the line. And like, it was, Mm. it was 2011 or 12. Like, you know, it was, we, you know, wasn't making a lot of money refereeing hockey. Like there was this big assumption that, that you were, it's, you know, we had to get a VIP table to uh, get a VIP table, which was, yeah. but that was the only way he could get us in. But he didn't tell us at first. I'm like, man, that's kind of steep. Like, I don't mind picking it up. Like 
at the time I was only getting paid $350 American to do each game. Like mm. it's not a lot, it wasn't yeah. a lot of money. Um, and it, it was a long grind and that's all I was doing for work. So, you know, 200 bucks. I was like, okay, well it's kind of steep. <laughs> then, so we're waiting 20 minutes. I'm like, you guys want to stay? Like, you want to go? Like, what do you want to do? And then, then he finally goes, he goes, yeah, but it's just a prepayment. I'm like, what do you mean prepayment? <laughs> he goes, well, you just got to put the deposit down. Like, we'll just pull it off your tab. I'm like, well, we're going to spend $200 total at least tonight. Like, sure. Like, no problem. So he's like, yeah, come on in. We listen, we skip 200 people in line. We get a VIP table upstairs. And this place is only thing you can get is vodka. There's no other thing in this place. It's vodka and vodka and vodka, but they have every type of vodka you can think of. Mm. And they have upstairs in the VIP section at the regular bar, they have this floor-to-ceiling wall. Yeah, an entire mm. freezer fridge wall of every type of vodka they have. And they pull you in to come taste test. And what do you want to drink tonight for your table and bottle service? And if you've ever done bottle service in Winnipeg, you know, it's like, they have to serve it for you. It's a little lame. It's kind of annoying. This place is like, yeah, no, go ahead. Put it on the table and just keep drinking. So I like grabbed that. a bottle of, of goose, I think to start. And then we did Stoli the second time. And, and, uh, don't remember and, after that. And then, so, so then you sit, you sit there for a couple hours and then all of a sudden the lights go out and you look at your watch. You're like, what the hell's going on? It's midnight. And you're like, what's going on? Like the lights go out. And then there's a spotlight in the middle of the bar and there's a guy in full Russian military uniform and he gets up on a table and he stands there and he belts out the Russian anthem for three minutes. <laughs> like, what, what country am I in right now? Like in downtown Toronto. And that was, uh, that was the extent that we got obliterated for the rest of the night. Great. That's amazing. For three minutes, he finished the anthem too. That's great. That's oh, dedication. Was, oh yeah, I just belted it out. Loved it. Oh, so what was the difference then of making that jump to the NHL? Was it more politics than anything else? Um, you know, it the NHL right now in officiating is in a in a in a weird weird spot. Um, Stephen Wacom, who runs the NHL officiating is and most people might not might not realize this that he believes that ex players make the best referees and if you've looked at the NHL if you pay attention to who they've hired as referees over the past 5 years they've hired guys that have never refereed a hockey game before until they got into the NHL Gee. so Corey Savret Mike Markovich um, there's a couple other guys that, that, that have recently been hired, uh, Travis Toomey, um, all these guys. And well, you'll see it. You'll see it in Winnipeg, Peter Stoikowicz. Yep. Yep. The moose moose is captain. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's a linesman in the yes. American hockey yeah. league the next year. He's never refereed or line been a linesman in a hockey <laughs> game his entire life. Now, Peter's a great kid. And I, all this, it's not his fault. It's not Travis Toomey's mm-hmm. fault. It's not Corey Savret's fault. They're get, being given an opportunity and they're, they're, they're jumping on it. Good mm-hmm. for them. But that's a problem with the NHL that you're putting guys that have never done a Timbits game as a referee <laughs> into the NHL. So Corey Savret, for example, his brother was Danny Savret. He was captain of the world junior team, uh, I believe in 
um, or sorry, it wasn't captain. He was assisting. He was captain of the London Knights in 05. And he played on the, the team that won in North Dakota, the, like the, the, the Oh, the right. Really yeah. Team Canada yeah like team. the best of the best, <laughs> the best team. So yeah. the Corey's his younger brother who had, um, you know, he played a minor league, you know, he played a minor league, uh, career, played in the American hockey league in the East coast hockey league. <laughs> and all of a sudden the NHL says, Hey, we want to take X players and we want to make them into referees. So, you, what do you think? And he said, sure. This was in August of 2016. Within two weeks, he's at the OHL camp, the referee camp that I'm at, that I've been, I've been refereeing 20 years. He's going to be my colleague. <laughs> Within a week, the NHL hires him. He still has never refereed. He's never put on a referee jersey. He doesn't have equipment. He only has hockey player shin pads. There's different shin pads. You don't. You're wearing. You're wearing slacks basically when you're effing. You're not wearing hockey pads. Mm-hmm. Like, um, he's going to Edmonton. His first ever game. He's ever put a whistle on his hand. He's doing Edmonton Calgary preseason at Rexall or at um, at their new rink. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> like it's, it's unfathomable for the NHL owners and general managers to allow this to happen. I could name off the top of my head, 15 guys I worked with over the years that are better are more qualified and in the right position and should be hired by the NHL to be referees or linesmen. It, and it's not a knock on the guys that are, mm-hmm. it's just that it's, it's demoralizing for the officiating community for guys that, you know, like myself and like other guys that I work with that we put the time in for 20 plus years to make the mistakes refereeing the MM, yeah. you know, make the mistakes <laughs> refereeing the Winnipeg high school hockey league where mm-hmm. you blow a call and all right, sorry, Sisler or, you know, silver beat JT or JT beat Western. <laughs> sorry guys. Like you, you blow a call and somebody uh, throws a bunch of sticks at you. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, that, that happened in a Manitoba junior league. Sure. A playoff game. But yeah, so it's like, so, but you make those mistakes at the MJHL or at the MM or at the levels where, okay, no one's job is really, you know, riding it's not millions it. of dollars. That's right. You know, but you know, so the NHL is in a huge problem right now where they're not hiring the best of the best. And um, it's a going into the playoffs this year, you're going to see it in the Canadian division. You know, there were a lot of the officials that worked all year in the, in the North division that were in their first or second year officiating. And if you counted their total games refereeing in their life, you know, they might only be, you know, they did 80 games this year and they might only have a hundred games total refereeing hockey. <laughs> And that, that's a, I mean, that's a bit of a problem. That, yeah. And that's a problem for the NHL that I don't think is talked about. And we, we, I've seen lately in the past couple of years, a, a growing amount of complaining about poor officiating in the NHL. Now guys like Wes McCauley, you know, guys like Kelly Sutherland, guys that put the time in, in the minors, you know, they're, you know, they're all fantastic people and fantastic officials. I'm, um, but it's, for me, I had a great shot. I had a good opportunity. There's no, you know, no, uh, no hard feelings or anything. I, I was given an opportunity. I worked professional hockey for for five years, uh, from 2011 to 2000, and uh, the end of the 14-15 season or 15-16 season, and um, and I was given every opportunity. I, I, you know, I was scouted by you know Bill McCreary and Rob Schick and. And uh, the officiating managers, they gave me every chance to make it. And the, the, the reality about, about making the jump from being the part-time or the prospect to the NHL, it's very much like a player in that there's only so many spots. You work the minors, 
there's only so many call-ups and it's, you know, the NHL has their officiating association or their union and, um, you can only get come up when someone retires or when someone's leaving. So in, in my first year in 2011, when I, I was fortunate enough to be invited to NHL camp. So I went to their camp myself and eight others across uh, Canada and the U S <clears throat> and um, that year they hired four guys hmm. that year out of the eight of us. I wasn't one of the four. The next year they hired one guy. There's only one out of eight of us that got hired. Huh. And the year after there were two that got hired. Hmm. And it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, difficult at the time, but you know, you put your best foot forward. I, I mean, I was fortunate enough to, you know, to referee Connor McDavid, like how many, like been on the ice yeah. with Connor McDavid, like this guy's a future hall of famer now. The, like, he's uh, a hall of famer now. Yeah. Was that the 2015 OHL championship Oshawa generals against the Erie Otters? You've done your homework. Hey, uh, he's a big research I, guy. I <laughs> tried big research guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I found that pretty interesting. And I, I looked at the rosters there and Dylan Strom, I think was on that, uh, uh, Oshawa team too, but obviously Connor McDavid, uh, you know, that was however long ago. And at that time, I'm sure you could see where this kid was going, but he, he was, the fastest and he is the fastest player I've ever been on the ice with. And he's faster than Darren Helm, Mason Raymond, like guys that were absolute bullets. And he makes them, it's not even a question that he's the fastest player I've ever been on the ice with. He's faster with the puck than without it. Mm. Um, it's, it's pretty insane to, to watch that team. That team made it to the final. So the Erie Otters team beat the Sioux in the, uh, in the conference final. And the Sioux had, 10 players that are now in the NHL from Darnell nurse to, uh, uh, D'Angelo, Tony D'Angelo, who unfortunately is no longer in the NHL, but fantastic hockey player. And, um, but that Erie team was all 17 year olds. They were a young hockey club, like Alex DeBrinkett, who's with Chicago was on that team. Dylan Strom was in Chicago, McDavid, you know, they had, um, the Marchmont brothers, uh, Mason and, uh, I forget the other one's first name, but they, they were on the team. They were all 16 and 17 years old and that team made it the final. Now McDavid left and that team ended up winning, winning the, uh, OHL championship two years later, but they got beat by an OHL team that was just was coached by DJ Smith. Who's now Ottawa Senators head coach. Oh, yeah. And, uh, they didn't have on that team, you know, uh, other than Brown, who was the defenseman who's in the NHL, I don't believe anyone on that team is playing in the NHL. They were just a really good core and well-coached and, 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 uh, DJ Smith's a really good coach. He should, I mean, with the group he has now in Ottawa, they're going to be a good team. Uh, they'd be a team to watch in the next couple of years. Nice. Well, you get the luxury uh, of, of watching them and we probably could spend hours uh, talking about, we may have to get you back on maybe when, when lockdown, uh, is, is over there, but uh, we're going to get into the back nine lightning round, which is presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram feed in the Point West Auto Park. You can check them out, winnipegdodge.com. They'll be happy to see you and uh, you can still see them. They're open for business. And even if you are in Ottawa or Calgary, if they have a vehicle to your spec that you like, you can ring up Wilkie. If it's on their lot, he can get it out to national. Go see them. Get a Fiat. Gas prices are skyrocketing. Nice little plastic bags. Plastic bags of gasoline. I think uh, in the states they had to make a recommendation to tell people do not put gasoline in plastic bags. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought? 
only people in the knee in Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Bruce, Bruce Kapka, if I can call you that, uh, have you, did you study for the back nine lightning round? Uh, I did. I did. I'm ready. I'm ready for a late question today. Uh, that's good. Yeah. And we mix it up every episode. Not really, but for the most part, we got this same question. So the first one here, uh, have you ever got a hole in one? I have two. Two. And so I had I had none for a long time. And I have two in two years. Wow. Ooh. Uh, um, I got, uh, I got one, my first, I didn't see it go in. It was our 11th hole at our home club and we're playing, a, we're playing a money game. We always play for cash. And, and my one buddy, who's a really good player too, we both hit very similar shots, same line. So we're playing for cash. We walk up and there's only one ball on the green. And I'm like, I'm like, who is it? I look at the ball. It's his ball. I'm like, fuck. I'm for sure over the green, like to a tight back pin. Like I'm not going to get up and down. I'm going to go one down here or whatever it was at the time. So we look around, we're looking for the ball forever. I can't find it. I'm like, I'm like, maybe that jackass. I'm going to look in the hole. You know, it's Mm -hmm. never in there, but you're going to be that guy. You look in there and you realize it's 40 yards over the green all over the car path. (laughs) But I look in the hole, I was in the hole. I didn't know what to do. I saw, I saw, I saw my, my, my other nickname Mongo on the ball and I could look right at it and I didn't, I, I didn't know what to do. I was completely frozen. I, and, uh, that was that. So, but my second one happened last year and, uh, we're playing in our, our we have a, a club tournament that is a two man net four ball tournament. So you're playing you and your partner net net tournament and you put your best score down as your team and you play against everyone in the club and it's all handicapped and, and, um, we're playing four ball. My, my partner's, my partner used to be, uh, he, he used to be chief operating officer of a, of, a, of a builder here. And he's, he, he comes in the first tee and he goes, I'm fucking hungover. And I'm like, okay. He goes, I'm not going to be good today. I'm like, that's not ideal. Okay. And so we play the third hole. Like we, we par the first, we par the second already. We're like two shots back, you know, barring one. We get to the third hole. And it's the third hole is a, it's a good par four, but it's everyone strokes on the hole. I don't, my cap was, 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 it's the three hardest hole and my cap was one at the time. So I, I don't get a stroke, but he gets a shot. So I'm thinking, okay, like I'll make par worse and hopefully he can make four for three. We can get a birdie and go to the next hole. I make double and he makes a seven for six. So we make double bogey on the third hole. And now we're two over in a net like four ball <laughs> game. I'm like, all right, well, this tournament's over. It's time to get drunk. So we we're walking from the third hole, the fourth hole, the fourth holes are part three. And he's all, he's all grumpy. He's upset. It's not going well. It's kind of raining. And I go, I go, don't worry. Kepka and the masters. He, he doubled 12 because that was the joke, right? Double 12. And then he eagled 13. He was back in the tournament. So the guys I'm playing with, it's the same guy I played with on my first hole one. They're on the other team. And he goes, okay, you're going to get an ace here. I was like, don't worry, double Eagle. We'll get it right back. We'll be right back in this tournament. So I step up and I hit the shot and the guy goes, that's in the hole. And it looked good the whole way. One hop stop and trickled in. And, and, uh, that was my second hole one. So I called the shot for my second hole one. Nice. (laughs) That's awesome. Those are, that's, that's two more than I have, but, uh, and, uh, so, uh, next question here, it was in Mongo. Uh, (laughs) what is your preferred golf ball brand right now? Pro V1X. 
Pro V1X. Pro V1X. Yeah. Like every the, every year, grab authority. the four for three. Yeah. Yeah. Grab the four for three and the uh, the title is discount, and then that lasts me the whole season. That's good. That only lasts me a, a month or so. But <laughs> uh, so next question here, and this is uh, we'll call it a two part question because you're you're now based out of Ontario. But uh, what is your favorite course in Manitoba, and then what would your favorite course be in Ontario? So in Manitoba, it's kind of a a tie between Nipawa and Pinawa. Nice. Like the was. I don't know why. Like the was. Like the was. No, we um I every time I come home when I do and I play golf, I, I try to get up obviously to see Dave Cameron as well and 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 Campbell's grocers and uh Lactabani, go see them and uh, free ads. And um get your condiments. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting ready for question seven. Um no, I it, so I love playing Pinawa. I think it's just a great, great track. And but Nipawa is is just a it's funny. It's funny about, about Winnipeg. Like the best golf courses are 90 minutes outside the city. Minnewasta, Nipawa, you know, Toulon's a great track. Yeah. Uh, Pinawa, Granite, Falcon. So you want to drive 90 minutes to get fantastic golf. So I, but for me, it's Pinawa or Nipawa. And yeah. in Ontario, uh, I was lucky. So I lived when I first moved to Ontario, I moved, I moved into Kitchener and Westmount is a private golf course there. I think it's a Stanley Thompson design. Oh, nice. And uh, my guy I refereed hockey with was a member there and he brought me out and that course is immaculate. I think it's like top, I think it's eighth in the country. It's top 10 for sure. Best course. It's, it's unbelievable. Nice. Well, we'll have to uh, laminate some VIP passes and, and try and get out there. <laughs> Once uh, wear the, suits. Or, exactly. We'll, we'll wear suits. And, uh, I think we'll get in, but uh, so our, our next question here and I'll, I'll, I'll double province this as well, but uh, do you have a bucket list course in Manitoba that you've always wanted to play, but you never got the chance to. And then I guess the same question for Ontario, but you know, that's there's thousands of courses there that I'm, I'm sure you're itching to get onto. I've never played Hecla. Oh, uh, so for me, Hecla, I hear it's just, Immaculate. I, I, I haven't had a chance to play it. Uh, it's always a course I wanted to play that. I'd love to do a weekend and do that in the links of the lake, just like uh, uh, yeah. your guys champagne classic or yeah, the champagne <laughs> championship. Yeah. Go see Sandy up at, uh, at Hecla and yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal course. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's one I always wanted to get to. That would be my, my Manitoba in, in Ontario. Uh, I'd love to play the national. Mm. But uh, and that's actually come up once before uh, Ryan Bell brought up the national. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, sounds so, like a nice place. So I got to make sure I, I, I don't ruin my, uh, you know, I don't have the Gestapo of Ontario come after me tonight, but uh, <laughs> I, sn- I, I kind of snuck into Quebec yesterday and played at uh, Griffin de Source outside of Mirabelle and, and it's the only course that uh, so it's the second hardest golf course in Canada and it's the only course the Nationals is the only course that's harder oh wow and uh, this course is seven, it's the longest golf course Griffin it's 7,600 yards from the tips it's an absolute beast <laughs> 
Wow. Absolute beast. I, so I put my score in Golf Canada. I shot 84. And I'm like, I don't know, like, I thought I played pretty good today. <laughs> I'm like, 84 just added up. You're like, but like the 18th hole is a 510 yard par four. <laughs> So, so like you rip driver and you're like, okay, I got five iron in, you know, like it's just the way it is to a tuck green with, but so I, I put in my score 84 and they're like, yeah, it's a 5.2 handicap. Like, oh, I guess I was only five over yeah. today, even though I was 12 over, you know, like it's, it's like a 78 wow. rating. It's that's so insane. hard. Wow. But that, that's where it would be. Um, that's where, that's where the national would be unreal. I just, for sure. Apparently, uh, uh, Ryan Bell there has a hookup, uh, a friend of a friend. So he'll probably get us all on when, and we'll head out there and we'll, uh, wear our suits. I totally come down. I feel like, I feel like that course is kind of like Gator Creek in, in, in Florida where, uh, where they, you don't even know the course is there and there's no women and kids. It's just, oh, yeah. it's like 20 men on the golf course and that's it. It's, <laughs> well, yeah, well, uh, the way golf should be. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going there. Wow. Say. wow. This is a, a politically correct show here. And, uh, we're, we're crossing borders. We're discriminating. Oh, geez. Well, next question here, uh, Roy, you seem like a worldly fella. So uh, what is the most memorable course that you have ever played? Ooh, so I heard you guys in your spyglass trip when you were talking with Moody Elevens, and I was very jealous. Uh, I am working on a trip for, you know, someone probably soon for that kind of, for an anniversary, for an event, for someone mm-hmm. to go down to do a pebble spyglass thing. Oh, right. uh, I don't want to say too much more in case uh, that person might listen to this, but um, the best course I've played outside of Canada and the world. Um, I've been fortunate. I was fortunate enough on a day off uh, when I was in Texas refereeing, um, I had a day off in San Antonio and I was able to get on TPC San Antonio. Probably the best, like probably the most known course. Mm-hmm. Um, also, actually, you know what? You know, it's a good thing for, for the listeners too. Casey anyone doesn't know this. If you, did you know if you have a uh, world elite MasterCard that you can get on any TPC golf course in North America? What? Hmm. Do not need any prerequisite. You just have to call two weeks ahead of time. Say I have a, I have a world elite MasterCard. Here's my MasterCard number. And you can get on any TPC course. So TPC Boston, San Antonio, wow. Sawgrass. Any, you don't need any other piece, and you can get on, and it's a preferred rate. Uh, so, can you share that um, yeah. number with us? Five five five. No. I, yeah. uh, no, we, uh, but anytime, anytime. So uh, last time I was in Boston, we, we, uh, Dave Cameron and I, he flew out to Ottawa. We drove down to watch the Red Sox. He's a giant Red Sox fan. And, uh, so we called to play TPC Boston and we had a tea time at two o'clock at TPC Boston. The problem was it was $280 American and they aerated the day before. <laughs> oh, so very much like your, your story. Is there an aeration rate? I was like, you're like, is it half right? I'll play for 140, you know, like, you know, no problem. But you know, they, and they just had, so it was third week of September. So they just had the Deutsche bank oh. or at the time it was the, the, the you know, the, second tournament of the playoffs. So it would have been, if they hadn't area, it would have been in mint shape, mm. but, uh, but that's for anyone who wants to go. If you have a world league MasterCard, uh, you know, you can get on to any, any, uh, any team. Yeah. I have a trip booked with uh, 11 other guys from my golf club in Ottawa that we are going to Ireland next year in September. 
Nice. Very nice. Going for 10 days, we're playing nine rounds of golf. Uh, the day we land in Dublin, we play Adair Manor, which is hosting the 2026 Ryder Cup. Uh, it's called, uh, they're calling it the Augusta of Ireland. They have the sub air system that pulls all the water out, oh, which nice. should be really cool. We get to play on the trip for playing La Hinch and Old Head, which are both in the top 10 in the world. Old Head, if you Google it and take a look, it's on a peninsula on in the southwest corner of, uh, of Ireland, and it's all four sides of the ocean. So there's one road in, and then there's a golf course, and that's it. Hmm. On this little like island type shape, and everywhere you look is is the ocean. So wow. I'm pretty excited to play that. That'll be, I think that'll cross off a lot of the the bucket yeah. kind of bucket list cool courses. Yeah, uh, yeah, and isn't uh, Royal Port Rush is one of the ones that uh, um, the guys play when they go out up to Ireland, Scotland? Yeah. So Port Rush is in the north, and and we're staying kind of in the southwest. So it's disappointing, okay. but. I would love to play it at some point. I'm sure I'll try to get back, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't mention it much on the, uh, podcast here, but I had a chance to go up to, uh, St. Andrews and, no and way. Have, a, have a round at the, the old course there. So uh, that was pretty amazing. Uh, I won't get into it too much right now, but, uh, we'll have to do a full three episode, uh, podcast. <laughs> Is on that it. like yeah. Ryan Whitney winning the 13 year old peewee championship in Quebec? You just bring it up it's, with everyone. And you know. it's, that's pretty well, yeah. uh, exactly what I got this from. Yeah. Uh, so my, next question here and you probably touched on all of them is what is your bucket list course anywhere in the world um well i i, I want to play augusta i think it's it's having been there i'd love to play it i'm hoping to have a chance uh i know three people that have played it and um all work for our company with with my company, um, you know, senior level directors, and they have hookups to be able to play. I'd love to, but the reality is, and kind of like what Mooney and Levin said, like, is is it is it possible? Probably not, but mm-hmm. but a, a possible course that I want to play. It's a couple. It's about four hour drive from here. Is Oakmont. And my colleague and my company who works in the region has a hookup. I can get down if I can ever get across the border again to play Oakmont just outside Pittsburgh would be unbelievable. I think that game is that, that, that course is hard in like Rory McIlroy, like 2014, like it's you, you like, you're like two under par and you're like, Oh, it's the best I had it in a video course. It's the hardest course in a video game. Like I can't imagine in real life how hard that course is. Right. Good answer. Yeah. Oakmont for me would be the one I want to play for sure. Uh, and then, uh, second last question here, recent rule changes allow you to leave the pin in while putting, uh, taking COVID rules out of the question here. Do you ever putt with the pin in, or do you still like to remove that pin? No pin out. I'm not Adam Scott. We're having a 40 foot butter because I can't putt. <laughs> Dale, I, I'd like to know what Dale is. Are you a putt? Are you a pin in guy? You got hey, the, Mike, hey, Mike, can I take this one? Absolutely. you. inside six feet months and claims to be automatic. So <laughs> I've seen, I've seen this guy putt, walk it in, it lips out and he picks it up anyways. Uh, <laughs> no, he doesn't want, I can honestly say Munson never wants to pin in. He's very, his one word to me was like, you gotta dive the ball in the hole every time. You gotta dive right. the ball. So, and that's like, that's why he's. What do you like, Odell? What do you prefer now with the new rules? I have arthritis every time I putt, so I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> 
Shout out to those listening who have arthritis. Yeah. <laughs> okay, new, new, new sponsor. So uh, our flagship question here, the back nine lightning round brought to you by Jamie Welke. And the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park, winnipegdodge.com. Check them out. They'll be happy to see you. They're different. Don't be afraid to uh, think outside of the box on this one. There are no wrong answers. What is your favorite condiment? Mayo. It's not yeah. even It's not even a question. It's mayonnaise. Just Put it mayonnaise. in the sun. Get the secret spot, the special sauce, like Grandpa Simpson, you know, like a, yeah. mayo every keep time. A, keep a bottle in your bag. Hot dog, hamburger, it's mayo. <laughs> and then uh, do you have a, a preference of brand of mayonnaise? You know what you can't get craft in Ontario? It's what? impossible. I didn't know that. No, it's only Hellman's out here. So I, I, I had to switch. I was a craft guy when I lived back home. Yeah. But, uh, but Hellman's now. That's all we have. Did you get into the it's Miracle Whip when you were uh, Manitoba bound? What do you have, Dale? No, Miracle Whip's gross. <laughs> Too sweet. Yeah. Okay. Dale? I was going to say, hey, somebody asked him about the uh, suitcases of uh, bread that gets shipped to Munson. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if anyone's been to Ontario. You can't get rye bread. Like if you live in, Man- if you live in Winnipeg or Manitoba, like rye, rye bread, bread is, is it's, it's coop or city bread. Like mm-hmm. every it's rye bread. It's, it's everywhere. It's best bread in the world. Yeah. You go outside Manitoba borders. You can't find it. You order rye bread in Ontario. I remember I went to this. I went to this baker in uh, in uh, the South Keys, so South Ottawa. I said, "Yeah, I'm from Manitoba. Like, do you have rye bread?" And he goes, "Yeah, we got rye bread. People here say it's better than Manitoba rye bread." I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, great." So he pulls it right out. He's got a fresh loaf. He puts it in front of me. So I open it up right away. I take a bite. I had a bite. I was like, <laughs> "Ugh!" I spit it out in front of him. I said, "I wouldn't eat this with soup." Like, and then I gave it right back to him. I paid for it and I threw it right back. And I'm like, it's terrible. And, uh, and it's so I, I got hooked. I got hooked on Coop rye bread. So every time I go come home, Christmas, whatever it is, my parents hit, hit the bakery and they grab a four pack of, of bread and they freeze it. And then uh, I put it in my suitcase in a little box and I bring it home every time and I throw it in the freezer and I, I, and I keep it here so I can have sandwiches or do anything. It's the best bread in the world. I think we'll have to put that on some merchandise, JR, just the t-shirt with some, a rye bread. I wouldn't put this on soup. I wouldn't eat this with soup. (laughs) Well, I'll I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this much. Uh, it, it would probably look and taste much better than that Kirkland signature shirt that Munson's Mm. been wearing the, uh, the entire show here, but sponsored uh, by Kirkland. I, 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 Hey, once Costco is allowed to sell non-essential items again, I'm going back to get another four pack of gloves. (laughs) Uh, of Kirkland signature gloves. <laughs> I recommend playing the balls too. If you're playing a really tight golf course and you feel like losing them into the shrubs again, dollar ball at Kirkland signature, no free ads. Well, uh, this is not a free ad, but that was the back nine lightning round presented by Jamie Wilkie and the new Winnipeg Dodge, winnipegdodge.com. Um, I did, uh, we got to make way for another special guest here, but uh, we'll probably have to bring you back on the pod. Cause, uh, there's a bunch of stuff that we didn't touch on and it's, it's been a blast. Dale Hall, we got to get you back on the podcast i'll run through the whole show with uh, with yourself but uh, thank you so much for for coming on hopefully a uh, lockdown is removed soon and hopefully you guys can play again there uh, right next door yeah, to us appreciate that guys yeah and uh, a big shout out again to 
the Nick and Nicky group of DQs, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park and the Food Court, DQ Niverville and DQ St. Anne's Road. You can also follow them at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. And again, Wilkie, thanks so much, bud. Go check them out at the new Winnipeg yeah. Dodge in the Point West Auto Park, winnipegdodge.com. Let us uh, let us know when that next bread shipment is. We'll just throw an ice cream cake in there yeah. and uh, maybe an ice pack and you know, put it in a Ziploc bag. Maybe. I was, Smitty, I was in Ottawa with him and I opened this suitcase. There's 11 loaves of bread in there. 11 loaves. Like, are these your, like, your, your clothes or like, do you need this? He's like, I unzip it. 11 loaves of bread. I had to pay, 28, had to pay $28.50 for a second uh, suitcase so I could bring uh, bread. That's worth it. Yeah. No, tell, uh, tell Hadge, tell Hadge, I'll gladly take a coupon and we can put it on DQ down the streets, uh, down the streets uh, account. So it doesn't cost him any money. Love to, love to support DQ. Hey, uh, Ragnarok, Smitty, love you boys. Thanks, Thank you. guys. This Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Have a good one. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. You're late for your tea time, as per usual. It's 12-12, but you wouldn't know. The clock in your piece-of-shit ride just blinks eights at you. It's embarrassing. You find the parking stall the farthest away from the clubhouse. It can't be seen in your shitbox. You know you're going to play awful because you feel awful. Your car doesn't match that swagger buried deep down inside. That golfing champion waiting to be unleashed. Ding. Your bumper hits the concrete as you accidentally sit on it while putting on your golf shoes. You smile. Because tomorrow, you're going to see Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. The front doors will open like the Azalea Line gates at Augusta. You'll ask for the best-looking guy there. You'll find the former amateur champ, Jamie Wilkie, staring back at you. You hand over your money. Your new ride glistens as it pulls out of the dealership. Then Jamie approaches and whispers in your ear, Son, next week, I'm taking you golfing at Breezy Bend. I'll show you a thing or two. You smile again, as now your golf game will look and feel as good as your new ride. Improve your ride and your drive with Jamie Wilkie at the new Winnipeg Dodge in the Point West Auto Park. WinnipegDodge.com JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo, brain freeze. It hits you like a triple bogey. The good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite. So get over to any Nick and Nicky's group of DQs and enjoy some DQ treats safely. DQ Northgate on McPhillips, DQ Pole Park in, food, in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. Go see them today for tasty treats.